to our reading today from the epistle to the Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 11. I hope that you have had enough coffee this morning that you can catch the extraordinary vocabulary and the beautiful imagery that comes out in this letter and in this passage. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason... I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, use your servant's lips and your people's ears and hearts, that they may be wed, that the seed of thy word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. I want you for a moment to pay attention to a part of that message that was just read from the book of Ephesians. The writer of Ephesians says that he wishes that the people who are hearing this might with the eyes of their hearts enlightened know what is the hope to which God has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for those who believe. God wants us to know the hope to which he has called us. 
Hope expects the future. The story is told of a woman who was on a cruise and she went to dinner the first night on her cruise and there on the other side of the table was a man that she'd never seen before but she said, you remind me of my third husband. He was a bit taken aback and he said, how many times have you been married if you don't mind me asking? And she said, two. Hope anticipates the future. Hope causes us to look forward to something that we have not yet received, something that has not yet unfolded. Hope. Hope is difficult unless we have a sense of future. When I grew up in South Carolina, uh, Lake Murray was there not far from Columbia, there in the Lexington area, Lake Murray was, was a lake that was man-made and after the dam had been put in, there was a community that had been covered by the water. And if one was a scuba diver, which I am not, in my childhood you could still go down and you could visit some of the buildings, some of the structures that had simply been covered over with water when the lake was formed. Not too awfully long ago in the United Kingdom, there was a lake that was similarly formed. And there was a town that was a quaint, beautiful little town until they learned that a dam would be erected and that their town would then be underwater. Something happened when that announcement was made and what had once been a quaint, beautiful little town became something of an eyesore. Why trim your hedges when they are only destined for destruction? Why paint your house when in just a few years' time your house will no longer be capable of being a home? Dear Christian, the gospel brings us hope. There is a hope to which God has called us. If there is among us a seven-month-old child, there is hope. Even in the midst of a world that has challenges, a world that at times is dark, there is hope for the child. Because he lives the great Christian hymn of faith, how sweet to hold a newborn baby. And feel the joy and pride he gives. But greater still the calm assurance. This child can face uncertain days. Because he lives. There is hope for the child who's not yet learned language. Who doesn't yet understand economics. Who has no skill. There is hope. Because Jesus has come into the world. And the world has been claimed by God. Redeemed, made whole. There's hope for the seven-year-old who is just starting to learn the lessons of school, who is starting to make patterns that will, hopefully, if the right patterns are discovered, make life more interesting, fulfilling, the patterns that will help this child to grow into adolescence and adulthood and, by the grace of God, to thrive. 
There's hope for the 46-year-old who's sort of going through a midlife crisis because he looks ahead and wonders, is there much, as much ahead as there was behind? What have I done with my life? What is there left to do? All the dreams that one has had and suddenly recognize that some will come to pass and others are no longer within one's grasp. There's hope for the 97-year-old with arthritis because God has said, those who live and believe in me shall never die. No matter where you are on the continuum of life, and we're all on this continuum of life, if the Lord does not come back at some point in the future, a candle will be lit for us. At some point in the future, those who have loved us will celebrate our lives. The writer of Ephesians wants us to know the hope to which God has called us. The hope that life is eternal. That whatever it is that you have made, whatever it is that you have allowed God to do in you is not in vain. Have you learned to play the piano? I suspect that gift will be yours for all eternity. Have you memorized poetry? I suspect that our memories and our elocution will be better and not worse in eternity. Have you learned to love someone that you find completely and utterly irritating? I suspect that gift of God working within you will help us all as we go from life to life after life. The hope to which God has called you, remember, dear Christians, and remember the riches of his inheritance among the saints. We are God's children. We have the inheritance of God. There are things that God wills to give to you and me that are ours because we pray, our Father. And God says, my children. There are gifts. There are any number of ways that you can think about and talk about the inheritance that God gives to his children. But one of those ways is in the Bible itself. You may even know the fruit of the Spirit song. The fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. The fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. If you want to be a banana, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit. The inheritance that God offers. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are God's gifts. These are the inheritance that we receive as God's people. And as we grow in wisdom and knowledge, we grow. 
we grow in the fruit of the Spirit. For those of you who love theology, there are other lists of God's inheritance, what God wants for those who bear His image. The virtues, the virtue of prudence, knowing what to do and say and when to do it and say it. Justice, to love justice and mercy and walk humbly with God. Fortitude, you might fall down, but God says you can get up again. You might not want to do what you need to do, but you can pull it up from the depths of who you are and do it anyway. Temperance, using things as God intends for them to be used. Faith, hope, love, the grand theological virtues. The Bible wants us to know the immeasurable greatness of His power for us who believe. The immeasurable greatness of His power for us who believe. It's Sunday. It's not Saturday. Our Jewish friends would say the Sabbath is on Saturday. It's the seventh day, the day of rest. But we recognize Sunday as the Lord's day. It's the Lord's day because on the first day of the week, God has started the new creation all over again. He's done something unprecedented. On the first day of the week, the disciples came to the tomb of Jesus and found it empty. On the first day of the week, the Lord's day, Death began to lose its power over humanity and life, life, life becomes the order of the day. Dear friends, we are a resurrection people. We are a resurrection people and the power of God, the power of resurrection is the power that God uses to work in all things for our good. Those who live long enough know that the world is not always a pleasant place. And the things that happen to us are certainly not courses that we would sign up for willingly. And yet those who have the eyes of faith know that God can somehow work in all things for our good. And even in the most terrible disasters in life, if we look back in the eyes of faith, we'll say, well, I never would have met Janie if it weren't for this. It's not what I wanted, but I'm a kinder, less judgmental person because of it. It's the power of God to offer a pardon and a fresh start. Some of us have a lot of things in our past that we need to believe with all of our hearts that God has and can overcome. There are a lot of things that have brought shame, guilt, God's resurrection power is here to set you free. 
As we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion today, we remember that Jesus' body and his blood were broken and shed for us. And it's not because you're good or I'm good that either of us is going to make it to heaven. We'll make it because of the sacrifice of Jesus who says, I want you here. God has the power to bless us even when we don't deserve blessing or even when we can't possibly see how blessing can come. Jesus shows us the power to overcome death. Now, we can spiritualize that metaphor. Life is stronger than death. But biblical faith is not just a spiritualized metaphor. Biblical faith is actual fact that, that Jesus' body was placed into the tomb And on the third day, the first day of the week, the tomb was empty. God's doing something new here. Paul says this is the first fruits. Jesus' resurrection shows us what God intends for all people, for all history, for all of those who have faith. The trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. The perishable will put on imperishability. The mortal will put on immortality, and then the saying will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The power to overcome death is a power that God intends for us to see. Look at how this passage continues. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Dear friend, this is the power at work in the church. Are you struggling to forgive someone who has wronged you? If you're trying it on your own power, you probably won't be able to do it, but God places into your life the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Are you struggling to be at peace when all the world around you seems to be tossing you curveballs, you probably won't be able to have that peace on your own, but God put the power that he has to work in us, to work when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Do you need to embrace new life? God is giving you the power that raised Jesus from the dead to put that new life into play for you. The end of the story is that God has shown us in the resurrection of Jesus that not even death can prevent God's will for us from taking place. Jesus is the 
first fruits, but the power that raised him from the dead will give life to our mortal bodies also. And so we can trust him. We can trust him as we grow in faith and hope and love as, as he works in our lives. We can trust him with ourselves and everyone we love. In life, in death, in life beyond death. We can trust him. Because resurrection power has been unleashed into the world. And we see the possibilities. The possibilities when God is at work. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.